You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, it was a positive series for the New York Mets overall. They beat the Athletics and they won those two games in blowout fashion, yet... The game they lost, Jacob deGrom got knocked around, and by not sweeping the A's, they missed an opportunity to pick up more ground on the Braves, who split their series against the Phillies and still remain within two games of them in the National League East. On the show today in the first segment, going to discuss just that, that game on Saturday, which was a missed opportunity in the second segment. We'll get to the positives of the series, the two blowout wins, and I'm going to close out the show talking about Darren Ruff and Mark Vientos, who has the edge when it comes to that competition to be that right-handed half of the DH platoon? And could Dominic Smith be a left-handed option in that same role? We're going to go through all of that, but first, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, I understand that starting the show today on a negative is not ideal considering the game we just watched on Sunday. A 13-4 victory, Pete Alonzo, massive day. And we're going to go through that in the second segment. We're going to talk about both of the blowout victories. But I just watched the end of the Phillies and Braves game. And credit to the Phillies. They took two. And going into this weekend or going into Thursday before that four-game set, even though that series took place in Philly, if any Mets fan could have signed on a dotted line for two wins out of that Phillies team, you would have taken it. So they did their part. And as much as I was rooting for them down the stretch there to pull that one out in extra innings, I I can't knock them because the Mets have to handle their own business. And while all season long, all I have said is just win series, just win series, just win series. There was a game on Saturday where the New York Mets were winning 3-0 before Jacob deGrom took them out. They lost that game. No one did lose that game. They lost the lead in that first inning. How can I criticize Jacob DeGrom? Everyone has a bad day. And I don't think this is an indictment on him. I don't believe that because he's now had three starts in a row where he's given up three earned runs or more that suddenly uh, he's not an incredible starting pitcher because we've still seen dominance in him in those outings. And I still believe he will rise to the occasion to close out this season in that series against the Braves, particularly after this performance, and also into the playoffs. But if at the end of the season, the Mets end up coming up just a bit short here, that's a game you're going to look back on. And look, the A's played out of their minds. They had 14 hits. They knocked around everyone out of the bullpen. I mean, you basically look at it. Everybody gave up runs in this game. I mean, Trevor Williams gave up a run. Joel Rodriguez. You know, Tyler McGill only got an out. Uh, Adam Adovino gave up a run. Trevor May gave up two. It was an atrocious game. But here the Mets were coming off of 
you know, Friday night winning in blowout fashion. Francisco Lindor gets his 100th RBI uh, to start off the first inning on a sack fly. Pete Alonso homers 38th of the year on tomorrow's show. Uh, without a game on Monday, deep dive into those two because they have just put together a season that probably rivals any tandem in Mets history. And I will do the digging and explore that because what they have produced for the Mets this season as you know, these two full clubs are every single day, you know, they're in the lineup and they're producing the middle of that lap. So they've just been amazing and they deserve their credit. And if the Mets swept this series, that's probably all I'd be talking about today, but they didn't sweep the series and Jacob DeGrom got knocked around and you just don't see that. Obviously, Angel Hernandez was behind the plate and you could make your complaints about the strike zone and DeGrom did in that first. And then he came back in the second and said that all those calls that he felt were at the bottom part of the zone were down and Angel had him right, which is, I mean, a sentence that we don't get to say often with Angel Hernandez. I'm not going to blame the umpire as much as I'd like to give DeGrom that excuse. It was just a bad outing for him. And he gives up a hit after getting the first out in the first pitch, walks a couple of guys, gives up a double, uh, and gives up another double later in the inning. You have, you know, Connor Capel was unbelievable in this series, although he didn't do anything uh, in that first inning. But well, he as he grounded out to drive in a run, he did most of his damage throughout, uh, you know, the rest of that game and other games in this series. But it, it was stunning. It, it's stunning to see. And, and Jacob Degrom set that record: uh, forty consecutive starts where he allowed three earned runs or less that dated back to September of 2019. He has been absolutely sensational. He's the best pitcher on the planet still. Nothing changes, but it's just really poor timing for that bad start to come against A's. And the only good thing that you can hope comes out of this is Jacob deGrom is now pissed off for a week, has to stew on this before he takes the ball again against the Braves on Saturday uh, in that middle game of the series. And really, that's what everything is going to boil down to. Now, there's a hurricane coming. I actually live in South Florida. Seems like where I'm located, I'm probably going to be okay here, um, which which is, is great, but I'm supposed to be heading up to Atlanta for that series. So now I'm probably going to be driving through some form of really bad weather, and hopefully this hurricane isn't as bad as it seems, but I mean, we got the state of Florida to be worried about. Then also, you when it comes to the baseball implications, I mean, that hurricane could be whatever it is, a Category 1 barreling down Atlanta next weekend. So that's a whole nother conversation for another day. We'll be monitoring throughout this week, and that series um, is going to really be the deciding factor in the season. But you just wonder what's going to happen now, and every single game is so important. So, again, to bring it back to baseball and away from a storm, that game is just one that we're going to look back on and think, what just happened? I mean, here's a team that you're looking at now after this series, and they're 41 games under 500. And the Mets had an opportunity to sweep them, and they got up 3 nothing with DeGrom on the hill. And the defense they played throughout the game, especially you pair it with the defense that played on Sunday, which was atrocious. And I don't know what happened. Uh, if you're watching on camera, I'm not crying because of what happened. Something uh, <laughs> got in my eye there, but I might as well be. Uh, <laughs> just a missed opportunity uh, for the New York Mets to 
you know, have a two and a half game lead on the Braves, which would have just made things so much easier. They got to win that series. That's what it really continues to come back to. The Mets and the, the Braves are basically in the same boat here. They each have a series against the Marlins, one against the Phillies. They can't drop any of those games because we know the Braves probably won't. And the Braves have an extra game in hand because the Mets series against the Marlins is a two-game set, whereas uh, you know the Braves have two more three-game sets against the dregs of this division where they can win six, where the Mets can only win five. And that would put you a game uh, up on Atlanta there if they went on Monday heading into this final stretch run of the season. It's just, uh, that's one that you want back. But I'm going to talk about the two that they did get this weekend because they were in very convincing fashion. And then we will close out the show with a little bit of Darren Ruff talk because it's been some some pretty rough at-bats from him, pun absolutely intended for what has just been a terrible trade deadline acquisition at this point. But these days, Every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for a small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free with simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. So as small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMLB. To post your job for free, terms and conditions apply. Let's go over some more positive developments from the New York Mets. There was two great games that we got to enjoy this weekend. I hated to be so negative in the first segment because they won another series. And that's what we've been saying all year, just win series. And to a certain extent, uh, if they keep doing that, they're going to win the division. If they win the next three series, they will win this division because they're going to beat the Braves two or three if you're roping them in there, and that'll be enough. But really, what you got to do, and also they would actually have to sweep the Marlins in a two-game set to win that one. So. Yeah, win the last three series, you win the division. And I guess if that's the mantra, and that's been Buck's mantra all year, by all means. But currently, when the Braves dropped two of the four, that game on Saturday hurts. Luckily, they didn't have a disaster situation like they did against the Nationals, uh, against the Cubs, where they lost a series to the bad team. They were able to win on Friday, and they were – Still flying pretty high after that Brewers, Brewers series uh, where they clinched. You go up uh, against Oakland. Chris Bassett takes the hill against his former team. And, man, Chris Bassett, you feel really good about him taking the ball for game one against the Braves uh, and also taking the ball for a potential game three in the playoffs. Won his 15th game, eight strong innings. He continues to be that innings eater for the Mets. Lowered his ERA to 3.27. Uh, giving up just two earned runs off six hits and a walk. Only two strikeouts in that one. But uh, pitch to contact, really did a great job. And, you know, the Mets lineup, 13 hits, nine runs scored. Uh, second inning, Mark Vientos gets a knock to drive in a run. Uh, Darren Ruff and Pete Alonso had both singled in the inning, as did Jeff McNeil to load the bases. Vientos gets the hit. Brandon Nimmo gets another. to Put the Mets up 3 nothing as two runs come in on Nimmo's hit. The Mets were... 
looking good. And then you go to the fifth inning, they pile on five runs. Eduardo Escobar with the big blow, a grand slam. You look at Escobar's numbers this season, and they're not what you would have hoped for when he signed that contract overall because you know a 719 OPS is still below his career mark of 742. But you think about where his numbers were a month ago, and this September that he's having, it's worth every single penny of that contract that he got. He's now at 19 home runs. That's the third most on the team behind Lindor and Alonzo. 63 RBIs. Uh, and he's just been an absolute terror for opposing pitchers in September. 329 hitter, 383 on base, 635 slugging uh, with seven bombs and 19 RBIs to go along with a triple and three doubles. He has just been so good and just continues. I mean, he was producing on, on Sunday as well. So Eduardo Escobar with the, the big blow, uh, Jeff McNeil. Had an RBI double in the seventh. Vientos also had an RBI double, I should mention, in the fifth. A good game from him. We're going to go through Vientos' numbers in this series in the final segment today. But that was just an easy watch if you're a fan, of course. And then you get to uh, Sunday. And Max Scherzer uh, picked up where Bassett had left off on Friday. Continues to be great in these outings off the IL. Gets up to 91 pitches, which is a positive development. You imagine the leash will be off him. Uh, in that start against the Braves to close out that series. He goes six innings against the Athletics, four hits, one run allowed, seven strikeouts. His ERA right now is the lowest of any pitcher in franchise history past their age 37 season with at least 20 starts, a 2.13 ERA, uh, rivaling, if not well, better, assuming he had been healthy, than what R.A. Dickey did when he won a Cy Young. So Scherzer continues to answer the bell for the Mets, and the lineup really supported him, uh, did what they're supposed to against the A's. Now, I'm not going to knock them for putting up four against Oakland. Uh, they were probably, you know, in, on Saturday, uh, because they were probably so shell-shocked by the fact that the A's continue to score. You can't blame the lineup this weekend. You just can't. They, they really did come through uh, on Sunday. 19 hits, 13 runs. Up and down the lineup, multi-hit games. Brandon Nimmo, two for three, three runs scored. Mark Canna, two for five, two runs scored. Francisco Lindor, three for five, three RBIs, three runs scored. Uh, Pete Alonso had the huge day, four for five. Scored three times, five RBIs. Hit his 39th home run of the season. He is now tied with Aaron Judge for the MLB lead in RBIs while leading the National League. Uh, you had Jeff McNeil get an infield hit where he legged one out in the game where the Mets already had, I can't even remember if that was 10 or 11 runs at that point, but McNeil always hustling. Eduardo Escobar went three for five, drove in two. Tyler Naquin, two for five with an RBI and a run scored. And Tomas Nito at the end of the lineup, two for five with a run scored. So you count them out. And who didn't get multi-hits uh, in this game? Well, Jeff McNeil, we just mentioned, got the one hit. He also drew a walk. There was one guy that was hitless. Darren Ruff. Darren Ruff had some of the most uncompetitive at-bats that you're going to see. One in particular, you got the lefty matchup you want. You're up 3-1. You get, I mean, two cookies. Inner half, belt high. Swings through one, pops up the other. It's just getting really bad for Darren Ruff, and you're running out of time 
for him here. I understand why Buck Showalter would want to keep him out there. And look, the defense uh, in right field when he had both him and Vientos in the lineup on Saturday, that didn't work. It uh, didn't look good. I understand not putting Ruff back out there. I don't understand starting him over Vientos other than the idea that you're trying to get him going because you'd rather have the guy that has all the MLB experience hitting in October uh, when the games matter like that instead of a rookie that is going to be nowhere near 100 career plate appearances at the big league level when the season ends. But Vientos is having competitive at-bats. Darren Ruff is not. And because of that, that continues to be an ongoing development here about what you do come October. Uh, is it rough? Is it Vientos? Or could it be Dominic Smith, a lefty, but a lefty with great career splits, uh, reverse splits in his career, who is actually hitting pretty well right now? It's not the most ideal solution, but with the way that Ruff is playing and with uh, you know Mark Vientos you know, still being so green when it comes to being a big leaguer, it might be the best option. So I will discuss all of that in just a minute. But first, quick word from our sponsors. Daniel Vogelback has turned his season right back around and is looking like a solid left-handed DH from the New York Mets, but he can't hit lefties. Uh, we knew that when the Mets traded for him, that's why they went out to get a right-handed compliment, and that compliment ended up being Darren Ruff. First week or so, Darren Ruff looked okay in a Mets uniform, and since, it has been an absolute train wreck. And in the interview we've seen, the body language we've seen, he just looks like one of these guys that is lost in New York City. And I, I, I try to stay away from that as criticism because at times I think it can be overblown. Uh, and maybe it's not even New York. It's just simply uh, the going to a new team midseason. And he was comfortable in San Francisco. And after being in the KBO, he had so much success as a giant. And maybe that is part of the problem here. But I mean, what Darren Ruff has done. As a Met, you, you just look through the numbers, and it's it's awful. And I hate to be so critical of him, uh, but, I mean, a 152 hitter, 216 on base, 197 slugging, has three doubles, but has yet to hit a home run in a Mets uniform. Has seven RBIs, five walks to 20 strikeouts, 413 OPS, it's just been awful. And you look at this series in particular where he gets three righties. He gets to be in a lineup in each of these games to, to try to break out of his funk because in this entire month, his slugging percentage is 103 as he doesn't have an extra base hit. He has three singles. He's hitting 103, obviously, three for 29 in this series. Yeah, he got a couple of hits, but it's not like he's hitting the ball's authority. And he struck out in each of these games. He only drew one walk, and altogether he goes two for 12. Compare that to Mark Vientos, and Vientos had a game where he went two for three uh, and had a double, drove in two, also drew a walk. He had another game where he left the yard, hit his first big league home run opposite field, showcasing that power. Do I think Mark Vientos is going to 
suddenly start crushing big league breaking balls at this stage? No. But can he spit on them enough, get himself in a hitter's count, and mash a left-handed fastball in the playoffs? Yes, he can. And right now, I don't know if Darren Ruff can do that. And you're asking me which one of these two guys is a better opportunity to leave the yard in October? It's Mark Fiantos. Now, another school thought is, don't start either of them. Uh, what do you do if you decide to go without either one of them come the playoffs? Well, could you end up with, I don't know, Louis Guillaume out there? I mean, if Starling Marte comes back and he's healthy, uh, maybe you want to roll out uh, a lineup that, uh, I guess, you put Escobar as the DH, maybe. Um, Guillaume at third base. McNeil at second, you go all defense. That's a really intriguing option for the Mets. Another one would be to bring back Dominic Smith. Now, Dom, I just don't know if he really would crack this lineup. And with Vogel back, the skill sets are very similar. With that said, Dom does have much better career splits than Vogel back. So if you had to start one of them against a lefty, it would be Dom and Dom would at least give you an upgrade defensively at first base. So so maybe that is the move. I, I don't think the Mets will do that. I think they want some type of righty masher, and that's where Mark Vientos likely is the option I would go for. But I think Dom deserves at least a little bit of recognition here because he actually has been swinging the bat well in Syracuse. And, you know, you're looking at him in AAA and the numbers – have been solid. I know the numbers were awful with the Mets, but at least it's hitting 286 now in 53 games in AAA, 370 on base, 479 slugging. He has hit 10 home runs. The home run swing has returned for him. He's hit them lately as well. So we like to see that. You look at his numbers in September, and he's hitting 300 with a 360 on base, a 563 slugging percentage. He has six home runs and 80 at-bats. With 18 RBIs, he also has three doubles. I mean, again, it's not an ideal option, but I just don't know uh, where else you go. And so I think that it's probably 50-50, or maybe it's 45% likely that it's rough, 45% Vientos, 10% Dom. But you got a a game against a lefty and Jesus Lazardo this week, and I wonder how they're going to play it because rough didn't look good. Um, out in right field. And that is also another big outfield you have in Miami. You got Vientos, who's not going to play the outfield. You're not going to pull Pete out of the lineup to try to see which way you go with your right-handed half of a DH platoon when you need to win every game. So who gets that start? Will it be Darren Ruff again? And if it is Darren Ruff again, when do we see Mark Vientos? Because if you're at a point where you don't think you can play Ruff in the outfield, then how do you play Vientos if you keep running rough out there? And Vientos, you like to get him as many at-bats as possible. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do in that Lazardo start. Do they put the kid back in there? And do they just ride him? Because as much as Mark Vientos uh, has not really proven enough yet, I mean, you're looking at him with a 160 average, a 276 on base, a 320 slugging, He's not setting the world on fire, but he had some really good at-bats this weekend, and even when he was getting out a ton before that, he was driving the ball in the outfield. I I like what I've seen from him, 
you know, four walks to, to nine strikeouts isn't too terrible at this point. And it's a tw- it's literally 25 at bat sample size for Mark Vientos. But you're between a rock and a hard place here. There, there's just not a lot the Mets can do. And ultimately, if we're being honest, what I said at the beginning of this segment is where I think this ultimately goes. I think you're going to have one of rougher Vientos on a playoff roster, but assuming health, I see the Mets maybe just leaning defense in the playoffs. And that would mean starting uh, a Louis Guillaume um, instead of those guys. And Guillaume's at bats against lefties have not been great either, but I love his glove. And so Eduardo Escobar becomes your uh, quote unquote, you know, right handed half of the platoon. Uh, and honestly, wouldn't even shock me if we saw even less of Vogelback come to playoffs. I, I think the Mets like his bat for sure, but. The more I think about it, in those playoff games, defense really does matter. And I could see them just sticking with it with the Guillaume defense. You know, you, you just ride it out. Let Louis Guillaume be your starting third baseman in the playoffs. Let Eduardo Escobar be your D. It should be interesting if we end up in that point after all uh, we made of the DH platoon that was acquired at the deadline. And look, I am the number one culprit that was hyping that up when the Mets acquired these guys. I just don't know what you do because you don't necessarily want Guillaume to face uh, lefties. But if you're getting no production from Ruff and Vientos, you're almost better off just getting no production from Guillaume but keeping his glove out there because I'll tell you what, go into a playoff series and the opposing team has to face off against Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, and Chris Bassett in games one, two, and three, and behind them, you have Mark Canna in left, Brandon Nimmo in center, Starling Marte in right, with Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, and Louis Guillaume defensively, with either Nito or McCann behind the plate. It's going to be great run run prevention from the Mets, and then you just need the guys that that you're hoping to come through, your Alonzos, your uh, Lindors, McNeils, Martes, Nimmos, all those other guys to come through and uh, give you, you enough runs to win close ball games come October. But man, uh, the production that you're getting right now from these guys, it leaves a lot more questions than answers. But on tomorrow's show, we will skew way more positive in that it's an off day. Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor are having a, a season as a tandem that should be recognized particularly after what they did this weekend that I didn't spend enough time on today. Alonzo setting the single season franchise record for RBIs and Francisco Lindor with the first 100 RBI season of his career. It's been really incredible to watch and we'll see how they continue that into Miami, which will also be going over tomorrow as well, previewing that series. But as always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow rate review where you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan, follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Locked On MLB is where you want to go to stay up to date with everything going on in Major League Baseball. You'll follow Locked On MLB wherever you get podcasts.